You're listening to Object of Sound from Sonos, the show where we bring you in tune with the music that shapes our culture. When music lives in the air, it's one thing. But when you know the undercurrents and the ideas that went into a song, when you can feel its weight, it becomes more meaningful. I'm Hanif Abdurraqib, a poet and culture critic, and I'll be your guide as we seek a deeper way of listening. Last year, I was offered the chance to collaborate with the Brooklyn Academy of Music, the Performing Arts Center in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, on a series of music programs. I wanted to format the series based on pairings, all of them featuring Black artists who are defining and currently shaping the future of sound and performance. The first one I dreamed up was a show with Moses Sumney and the artist Taja Cheek, who performs as Lorraine. spent so much time indoors with their music over the course of the pandemic and felt that both of them sonically filled a room in very unique ways. Moses Sumney, through his ability to build a world through his writing, and Lorraine through repetition and through altering of sound and through looping. Lorraine's album Fatigue came out in June of last year, late June, which was a very interesting time for me and for many people I knew. It was kind of what I call the window that was post-vaccine, pre-Delta. And there was a kind of tentative optimism that I was still really afraid to step into. And I think Fatigue was an album that painted an elsewhere for me. Like, I didn't have to leave my house to enter another world. I dreamed of this pairing of Lorraine and Moses Sumney at that time. And when I did, it was kind of a far off dream that I didn't think would come true. And now it is actually happening. This month on March 30th, that concert will take place. And an extension of that dream is having Lorraine on the show today. She's someone I want to talk to because I'm a listener who loves the kind of experimentation that Lorraine dabbles in. She is someone who takes sound and pushes it to its most malleable limits, which I'm always excited about and very invested in. It makes for not only an interesting listening experience, but also a trip through the brain of someone who is always hearing the world differently and in unique ways. So this week on Object of Sound, we're going to speak with Lorraine and we'll talk about her newest album, Fatigue, which came out last summer and how that is taking on a new life on tour. Because when we spoke to Lorraine, she was very literally packing up to head out on the road with Animal Collective. Uh, and most importantly, we got the chance to kind of nerd out about voice and the relationship to repetition and looping. And at the end of the episode, you'll hear a playlist of songs that showcase repetition and looping in some form or another. You can hear that playlist at the end of the show, and you can hear that playlist on Mixcloud.com slash Sonos, and we'll leave a link for it in the show notes. And Lorraine and I did a cool looping experiment of our own, and you'll get to hear that too. So now, here is my conversation with Tasha Cheek, who performs as Lorraine. 
Hi, Taja. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I was looking at the liner notes of your most recent album, Fatigue, and just noticing how many people you have collaborating with you. It's like uh, multiple collaborators on every single track almost. And I was remembering this interview you gave once. You were talking about how important it is for you to deconstruct the idea of singular genius. And you were rejecting this idea of yourself as a sole creative mastermind of Lorraine making all the calls. And so I guess I'm just curious what it is about collaboration that you pursue so eagerly. Oh, man, I feel like that's something I'm still trying to figure out. And I think it really comes from a place of just being a bad collaborator. <laughs> I feel like I've been in other projects where I was just not a great collaborator and I it was fueled by ego and all these other things. And I, I, you know, realized like this isn't how I want to be. This isn't how I want to operate, but also wanting to honor um, the fact that I do want to lead um, the project, and I also have ideas that I really want to flesh out. So Lorraine is a playground for me to really work out a lot of these ideas in real time. And, you know, I'm an only child. I used to make music in my room alone for a really, really, really long time. And I'm now coming to the realization that, you know, I can work on things with my friends and, you know, have that be my process, right? So I'm figuring it out. <laughs> Can I, since we're talking about like your past selves, is it real? You were really in like an Iron Maiden band? <laughs> I, or is that like a false, is that fake? Or is that a, is this a true thing? <laughs> it's pretty true. I, in high school, the first band I was ever in, we would play a bunch of Iron Maiden covers and I played keyboard and there was um, someone that played in that band that was playing bass. And that was the whole reason I started playing bass, because I would always look over at him and I was like, man, you look like you're having fun. I want to do that. <laughs> Could we hear some Iron Maiden here? Just like to jog our memory a little bit. I know the vibe of like, I'm going to join this band just because it's a vessel for my own like musical growth slash experimentation. Or were you driven to the band because of like your immense love for Iron Maiden? <laughs> I mean, honestly, we we also played our own music. I didn't even yeah. know who Iron Maiden was, but the bassist was really into Iron Maiden. <laughs> and so then I started getting into it because I was like, I've never heard of this band. This seems cool. And we would practice at one of my bandmates like their place and their mom would make us these delicious sandwiches. It was just a fun hang and it was something yeah. new and I'd never been in a band before and I wanted to know what that was like. I'm also kind of thinking about the challenge of what it is to have multiple abilities and multiple ideas and pare them down. And so it is one thing to talk about collaboration with others, but I'm also really curious about collaboration with the self when you're considering a thing of, you know, you can do so much. How do you not just chase after everything that your abilities tell you that you can do? Oof, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I feel like I'm always kind of collaborating with myself in a way because everything starts from these recordings I make usually voice memos or demos. Some of them are from like 10 years ago. 
So it's kind of like a, a, a me of the past and a me of the present and a me of the future. We're all kind of <laughs> chatting and, and figuring things out. So I can kind of tell when I'm just making changes just to make changes and not actually to, to improve the work. And it, it kind of comes to a natural close. But if that doesn't happen, then I, I literally just have to get cut off. And that's a, that's a good thing for me. Yeah, I struggle with the idea of completion too, but I feel like listening to music, not just yours, but listening to a lot of music has gotten me better at these cues of like, okay, well, this this one expansive and immersive song was at one point not this, and there was a place where it became this, and a person walked away from it. I'm thinking about um, Find It, specifically, mm-hmm. on Fatigue. Where I listen to a song like that and I think, well, this was once Bones and then it became a thing. And at some point in the becoming of that thing, a person said, you know what? I figured it out. I've come at least close to figuring it out. In in terms of a project like Fatigue, did you dream that up song by song or was that a holistic kind of dreaming of this is the project, these are its aims, and how can I find the right number of songs or the right type of songs to achieve these aims? Because sometimes I feel like with a book of poems, for example, I'm just writing poems, and then I step back and look at them and go, oh, I've built something here, you know? Yeah, I I feel similarly, honestly, where I don't really know (laughs) what's going on, but I feel what I need to do. And then at some point, I, I... I try to just sit with what I have and I try to make sense of myself and I realize kind of what the internal logic is that's been guiding me all along. And it definitely was that way with fatigue and the whole thing kind of came together during the pandemic, or at least that's kind of when I realized what I was doing. Um, And it's usually some sort of forced pause that, that makes that all coalesce and make sense for me. And that's, definitely what the pandemic was yeah what are you what are you gonna do without the forced pause <laughs> well assuming you know with, great with, question with high hopes for there not being a forced pause sorry that was like that was an impulsive question on my end because but it's also me asking the question that i know i need an answer to eventually yeah i mean you know it's funny i the the album has an end but it has another life in the live show yeah and it's really important for me to use the performance as a way of reimagining rethinking opening up new possibilities for collaboration and it's always a little bit different with each tour and with each show and so the songs are never really done in that sense like bat on the first record turned into take two on the second record, mostly because we were trying to figure out how to play Bat Live and then it turned into take two. And then it became a part of the record. So it's really fluid in that way. Take Two became like an immense part of that record. It's like the farewell. It's the exit song. We don't have to 
get into sequencing because I have another maybe nerdy high-level question about voice, but I will say fatigue, it felt so full in its sequencing and so thoughtfully crafted in its sequencing that um, by the time I got to take two, it felt like being kind of gently ushered out of the door and like waiting, you know, <laughs> when you're like leaving and someone's waving goodbye from the porch. There are many ways I think to exit an album. I don't mind like a harsher eviction than that one. But in the moment I was like, this feels, this feels like I'm being waved to. I love that. And that's all Jasper Marsalis, Lawson Malone. Multimedia artist Jasper Marsalis, who makes music under the name Slauson Malone, and who is another person who's thinking excites and inspires me. There is an interview that I remember reading of his last year about the failure of representation and the desire for social death. And I cite it like in workshops and writing workshops. Yeah, I can't even really put into words how much I love his music and appreciate him as an artist. And I kind of knew I needed to have him involved in some way and sequencing felt like the right way and for, for a lot of reasons. Um, but I kind of gave him an order of songs and I was, you know, gave him a little bit of direction, but I was kind of like, you do what feels right. So I feel like, you know, people that are, that are real heads yeah. <laughs> and know, and know his work yeah. will, will be able to tell which parts are Jasper, which I, which I love. And I think, not to circle fully back to collaboration, but I think that's a real delight of the liner note experience for me because you can hear and sense the presence of someone. And there's that confirmation where it's like, oh, wait, I think, I think I'm hearing this person. There's a moment on fatigue where I'm like, I think that's Anna Wise. And I went to the <laughs> list of contributors. And there's something joyful about that confirmation. And the joyful experience of two musical worlds you adore uh, intersecting. That's amazing. I love that you heard Anna in there. That was a really special moment. She was holding her child in her arms as she was singing with um, and with John and they were in the studio we were hanging out and I, I can always hear them when I listen to that song and it makes me really happy because it takes me back to that moment I can hear their voices so clearly and I'm like I wonder if anyone can hear that I'm so happy you heard that <laughs> anytime there's like more than a single voice on a song that I can decipher I'm like rushing for the headphones immediately uh, mostly be like do I know that voice and if I don't know that voice how can I find out more about that voice this is a perfect springboard to ask an unfortunately very nerdy question about voice. <laughs> and I've seen you use like looping techniques, right? And I'm always, always, always fascinated by looping techniques in general because I'm just a big sound head who just loves the different forms that that kind of repetition and looping can take in the right room. And I'm often grappling with the voice itself being able to hold kind of like an orchestra of sound when manipulated or manufactured through different speakers or amplifiers or through different technology. And I'm just curious about what it is about the voice, your voice specifically, but the voice in general, that kind of compels you to 
push it through all these unique formats where it can be heard in a lot of different ways and through a lot of different lenses. Mm. I I think it's because I can't figure it out. <laughs> Singing feels really unnatural to me. It's something that I like to do, but also hate doing. And I love seeing other people do. And I'm just so fascinated by the voice. It feels so scary to me. <laughs> anytime I speak in public, anytime I sing in public, just hearing myself, I'm sure, you know, everybody feels that. A lot of people feel that. But that's also what kind of draws me closer to it to try to figure it out. And, you know, I'm the kind of person I'll listen to a song, I'll go back to the same two second clip over and over and over again. If there's something that resonates with me, I just, I don't know, there's something about repetition that really just hits. So I just started doing it on on my own instinctively. And also there's a transformation that happens in repetition that I love where, you know, I, I think because I'm so uncomfortable with my voice, I like to manipulate it into something else. And re- repetition is a way of creating a transformation in some way. There was, I'm glad you mentioned the confrontation with the, our own voices or because I think there is a thing that happens through repetition. It's, it's almost like if we repeat the same word a certain amount of times, it no longer feels like a word, you know, and it just feels like a jumble of sound. Do you know or have you heard of the, the noise artist Dream Crusher? Yeah. I, I love, love Luane. Yeah, Luane yeah, is amazing. Just, <laughs> once once I, I wrote a profile on them for Fader and I went to go visit and hang with them at a couple of the shows. And one thing they said that always sticks out to me is that kind of like everything is noise music. If I hear the same Taylor Swift song five times in a row while I'm in the grocery <laughs> store, it just becomes noise, right? That is that kind of how, how repetition allows the... Um, be clear to become joyously indecipherable. And uh, I was, I'm glad you said that because confronting one's own voice is kind of like, for me at least, is like a horror story. <laughs> but you kind of like run full force into the hearing of yourself. Um, does that in any way make you a, a sharper or more curious or more excited singer? I hope so. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really know. I It, it, it really is just so so alien to me, if I'm being honest. I just keep recording my voice more and more and more. And and now so much time has passed since I've been doing this. And my voice has changed also. The way that I sing has changed. I feel like I haven't quite figured it out. But that's what makes it interesting to me. It's like, it's this thing that I can't quite grasp. You are heading out on tour starting tomorrow. By the time people hear this, you'll be already on tour. And one of the points of that tour will be you performing at Brooklyn Academy of Music with Moses Sumney on March 30th for the series that I was thrilled to help curate. And uh, without like giving away all the secrets of your stage that you have built, can you give maybe a little teaser, letting us know what people can expect when they when they come to Brooklyn to see you? Yeah, I'm really into ritual and I try to make the live show reflect that interest. That's maybe too vague. (laughs) 
and mysterious, no, but <laughs> I love mystery. That is perfect. You're touring with Animal Collective. I was excited uh, and and interested in this bill specifically, sonically, and the kind of bridges that are built sonically between all two. So is there is there anything you're maybe hoping to walk away from and learn from this stretch, not just the length of it, but also the on stage pairing? Yeah, I mean, Animal Collective was so is so important to me and. When I first started making music and recording demos, they were such a huge part of that for me. And I felt so deeply inspired by them. So, you know, this is kind of a dream come true for me. So I'm really trying to like not think too far ahead. I don't know. I've tour, tours have changed me a lot as a listener and as a player. And so I'm just trying to just stay open to all of the possibilities <laughs> because you never really know what's going to happen <laughs> once you leave in the van. Yeah. Like I miss just van travel. Like I romanticize it to a point where it, it can't possibly live up to that experience. So I hope that it is as romantic for you as, uh, as you want it to be. <laughs> Thank you. And I wish you, I wish you safe travels. I know that vans in general, so many of my pals who are in bands, it's like, I'm reading about their vans breaking down. I'm seeing it. And so I'm, I'm wishing you safe travels in a, in a van that, that, uh, maneuvers well to, before we part though, I'm, I'm interested in what you're listening to and joyfully experiencing in the lead up to to this moment because another one of the many things that you have your hands in that I've enjoyed is your NTS radio show. And I am wondering if you could tell us how that came about and how you are maneuvering it. Yeah, I'm a resident currently. So I have a monthly show. Um, the March show just came out and it's been a really great way to just reconnect with music I love and listen to new things that are coming out and things I haven't heard. It really has just been a great outlet for me. And so what are you, what are you listening to now? There's a bunch of things. Um, there's this group Salamanda that I really have been enjoying. It makes kind of, I don't want to say ambient, kind of ambient music. Um, the new Big Thief, I think, is really great. What else? Fatima and uh, and Jarman Jones just came yeah. out with a project. I love yeah. Fatima so much, and ah, uh, she's uh, they're both just so good. It's really really great. And uh, there's this vocalist Molly that I really like, spelled M O L. I Y. Um, but yeah, those are some things. I think uh, most of those are on the last mix I just made. I think. Yeah. How, so to ask about the show, how are you? Um, I don't know if adapting is the word, but how are you taking to this 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 role of shaping that type of playlist or that type of listening experience for people beyond yourself? How are you taking to that? It's great. 
feel like my eyes are just more open. My ears are more open. Anytime anybody mentions anything, I'm like, oh, I have to listen to this and I have to see, which I feel a little overwhelmed by all the things. I have like a playlist <laughs> of like 6,000 songs. I'm like, I have to listen to all of these. Anytime someone mentions something, I'm like, I have to scribble it down and listen. Um, so it's, it's really, really great. And, you know, I don't know how to DJ. I have so much respect for DJs. And so now it's sort of like piqued my curiosity to figure out how that whole thing works. <laughs> It's a dream in a way, though, right? I mean, I don't know if you grew up listening to radio robustly, but like I did, you know, and I grew up like recording songs off the radio. And I remember being like DJs, like radio DJs specifically, I was like, these motherfuckers are the most powerful people in the world (laughs) because they controlled, at least for me, in that small sliver of my youth, it's like, you control my time. Because I'm in front of this radio waiting to record one song. Yep. <laughs> you have the power over whether or not it gets played. Um, you know, the idea of sharing music in a communal space can imbue a person with a type of power. And so I'm glad you're using that power to to steer you towards something that is that is curious and good. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, power. I hadn't thought about that part of it. <laughs> I'm oh, just no. having I feel I feel like, like I... I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh no, I hope I didn't just plant like a nefarious seed of I feel like this could be like the origin story to exactly. a villain thing. It's like, I didn't consider the power. <laughs> and now, Taja, thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I am like through the roof, excited to see you at, at Brooklyn Academy of Music on the 30th. I'm beyond honored. Thank you so, so much. That was Taja Cheek, also known as the multi-instrumentalist and experimentalist Lorraine. Check out Fatigue wherever you stream music, and you can buy tickets for Lorraine's upcoming tour at Lorraine.info. That's L-R-A-I-N.info. While it is too late to catch Lorraine at BAM, apologies again. If you're in the tri-state area or willing to make a trip to New York, be sure to check out the rest of the BAM Music Spring Series. The next show which is Don Richard's Electro Circus, is Wednesday, March 23rd. And come down and say, hey, I'll be at the shows. I'll be wandering around. Uh, It's been incredible so far. All the information about the remaining shows is at bam.org. That is B-A-M.org. And now for a final thought. A thing that I do, as much as I joke about not being comfortable with the sound of my own voice, which is very true, um, a thing that I do is... In between draft number one and two of a poem, I record myself reading it and I play it back over and over again. I spend a lot of time alone, not lonely, but alone. And because of that, I am aware that um, my days are rooted in routine and repetition and that folds into my work. And so hearing my own voice is a part of a routine and repetition. I need to know the way that words sound next to other words when coming out of my mouth. I need to know what sounds fit most comfortably in my mouth and what sounds fit most comfortably when rubbed up against other sounds, when I speak them out loud. And a way to do that is through that repetitive listening uh, with headphones to how my own voice breaks around language and uh, how that is transforming both the eventual writing, but also myself and my relationship with language and sound. And so to close things out, 
at the end of our conversation, I had mentioned to Lorraine a profile I did of the noise artist Dream Crusher, brilliant noise artist out of Brooklyn. And the thing they said to me when I profiled them, which was that if you hear any one sound for long enough, everything can become noise. And so Lorraine and I tried this on ourselves. Uh, we tried making sound into noise. We did a little vocal experiment. Okay. Transformation through repetition, 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 transformation through repetition. Transformation to repetition, 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 transformation repetition transformation through 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 repetition I think we actually got a couple of that yeah we did <laughs> listening to Object of Sound from Sonos. Big thank you to our guests this week, Lorraine, and to our partner, BAM, the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Check out the full lineup of the music series at BAM by visiting bam.org. And while the Lorraine and Moses show is sold out, some of the upcoming shows I'm really excited about uh, are the Don Richard Electro Revival, which is happening March 23rd. Dev Hines um, playing some classical selections on April 2nd. And then in May, we have closing out the series, Lil Sims and Nikki Giovanni. All of them are going to be really exciting, and I hope you're able to check them out. To hear all the music in the full version of the show, you can listen on Sonos Radio or find us at mixcloud.com Sonos. If you like what you hear, go ahead and rate it and share it with your friends. This is a communal thing, music discovery. So tell us what you like about the show and what you're listening to. Let us know your thoughts in an email at objectofsound at sonos.com. You can also follow the show at Object of Sound on Instagram at Object of Sound. This show is produced by Work by Work, Scott Newman, Gemma Rose Brown, Kathleen Ottinger, Rhiannon Corby, and by me, Hanif Abdurraqib. This show is mixed by Sam Baer. Extra gratitude to Joe Dawson and Saida Blount at Sonos. I'm always talking about music online, on Instagram and Twitter at Neef Muhammad. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you.